Hello and welcome to episode 156 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Yo. How's it going? Pretty good man, pretty good. One week away from the big one. From... What now? From Fright Fest. Hell yeah. <laughs> um but yeah we will be previewing that at the end of this episode um was so if it you're stressful the... no yeah we'll get to that the people <laughs> that know like we said before they already know um but uh yeah we'll obviously this week we're going to be talking about once upon a time in hollywood taking a break from uh horror as we discussed last week um the last we few weeks a little break yeah, the last few weeks of on-demand horror have not been kind to us, if you've listened to our last three shows, and we needed a palate cleanser. We needed something that we were both excited for and actually could show some enthusiasm for, um, and this was definitely a movie that we could do that for. Um, but worry not, because we have plenty of horror to talk about this week. Uh, of course, we have the news, which we'll get to in a second. Have I um, watched more Puppet Master movies? <laughs> I well, assume I so. I, I um, haven't, but, you know. Oh, okay, well, I've watched, um, <laughs> I've watched an entire trilogy of horror movies I've never seen for, uh, before um so we can get one, two, three. <laughs> as well as starting a horror tv show as well so we can get into that if we have time nice. um nice. but yeah of course we are going to be pre- doing a little preview as well because of course we're going to be doing a lot of fright fest coverage over the next few weeks we are um, indeed. It'd, be, it'd be nice to just let you guys know what we're seeing and what we're most excited for those sort of hidden gems as it were um but yeah let's get into the news because there's not too much this week so um do it the first one's pretty cool, actually, because even though we've not seen Cruel yet, um, we've already got slight news on Alexander Adger's next project, um, which is very interesting because it's not just like a few of these that we see. Kind of, we talked about it last week with the uh, the Happy Death Day director. Mm. Um, there wasn't too much to say. It was like, yep, he's doing a horror movie for Bloomhouse. Um, whereas this actually got us some interesting tidbits with it. Um, it's reported that it is a new horror movie um, for Amblin Partners, um, so the Spielberg production company. Mm. Um, um, and it's going to be a haunted house movie um, with a choose-your-own-adventure style. Um, womp, so, womp. <laughs> so it's going to be a branched narrative movie, um, you know, similar to like Bandersnatch, obviously on Netflix and a few others. Um, and it's based on an idea by Mike Flanagan and yeah. uh, his Haunted of Hill House co-writer, Jeff Howard. Um, so there's a lot of interest in, like, there's already so many different things to pick up on here. Um I think it's interesting that they haven't said anything about Netflix or anything like that. Mm. Um, because obviously when you say it's a branch that's the, narrative that's the movie link, it, it has yeah, to be, doesn't it? Exactly. Right. Like how else does that work in any <clears> sense? <throat> I mean, I guess well, any, like it's yeah. of Netflix, any on demand service. Mm. Um, to be fair though, I had like a choose your own adventure style nightmare on Elm street thing that was on my crazy DVD collection back in the day. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> As long you as know. you have like a DVD remote, I guess this could work. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I gotta be honest though. Like, I, I when I saw this news, I was excited, but then I was like, oh, I don't, I, I don't want to choose my own adventure. Mm. I want, I want to sit and watch a film. Like, I think we said it when Bandersnatch came out. Like, yeah. it was fun as an experience, but I, I, I don't want to consume my films that way. Like, you know, games be games, films be films, and yeah. I'm, I, <laughs> So I'm I'm not I'm not massively excited by this. Yeah, I tend All to agree. Like, 
especially as someone you know we both play a lot of games and so like yeah mm. if we're in the mood for that like i play a ton of choose your own adventure style stuff and mm. i love it but yeah when i'm down to watch a movie and especially when you've got an auteur director like alexandro uh, attached to it mm. um i want to see what he's doing with it with it you know as opposed to kind of like oh i'm the person who's driving the narrative and my choices are gonna make it's like oh that doesn't interest me as much i want to see no. what you want show me um and especially yeah with someone like mike and his co-writer involved in it you know they know how to write a horn in house movie better than probably anyone else on the planet right now um and True. so with such a talented guy behind the camera as well it's like i just want to see what they what they've got for me but yeah of course like with the amount of talent involved in this it is exciting mm. um but definitely that part is the least for, for me and it's one of those ones where of course listen, this could be the one that changes everything. You know, that could always be the case of like, this is the one that now we are down with this sort of thing. Um, but it, yeah, I agree with you. It's not something that immediately jumps out to me. Like, oh, hell yeah. Like I've always wanted this. Like, no, not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we shall see. It's weird because yeah, we to, don't know too to much. I my music in Bandersnatch. Like I, I, I did that. I lived that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I was just reading about it now, actually. They are, they're talking about having an app on cell phones and audience members able to vote in the theater to decide what characters will do at pivotal moments in the narrative. Okay. That's very weird. Um, so it sounds like a theatrical release. Yeah, where you have like audience, because obviously you do have that within some video games when people are like streaming and it's like you have, mm. you know, your audience watching yeah. and choosing. So that's an interesting take for a film. Did especially it, if they want to put it in theaters. Trucks I went to see, to be fair. Did they? What well, they yeah. had like a thing where you like voted what was going to happen yeah. next or something? Vo- well, no, I just voted for who you, who you wanted to win. Oh, okay, you had like right. a 30 second window, <laughs> but like you had to yeah. install an app and stuff. Like it can work. Like, because mm. I, I didn't think something like that could work on such a scale, but it, it did work. So, right. But yeah still not down <laughs> yeah interesting i would definitely want to hear more about this for sure yeah. um next up uh this is just a really short one because i don't think there's going to be too much enthusiasm from either of us but i thought this was really interesting because i didn't think this would happen um the babysitter which we covered last year the netflix movie um is getting a sequel um by the same director as well McGee, um who has McGee. a very interesting career to say the very least and um <laughs> He, yeah, apparently that did well enough to Netflix to warrant a sequel, which is apparently going to be filming in October. Um, I don't really have much to add on that. <laughs> no, I was just sitting here thinking, how did the babysitter end? Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> an, an extremely forgettable movie. Not a bad movie by any sense. Yeah. but It, it was, was, just, it was it a was... fun movie, but mm. I 100% do not need a sequel to it. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> That's all I have to add on that one. Very short one. Um, next up, this one's kind of interesting. There's a few layers to this one. So we got word that there was going to be a extended director's cut version of The Haunting of Hill House coming to Blu-ray. I was, I was so um, confused by this story. Like, It, it is very confused. I've, I've merged yeah. about three different stories into mm. one here as more information has come out. Um, so I this started is all, trying to look into it and I was like, oh, I hope Matt gets this on lockdown. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. I'll do my best. So yeah, it's coming. We know um, the release date is October 15th. Um, it's a free disc Blu-ray set or four disc DVD um, and it features all 10 episodes um, and including for the first time free extended director cut episodes so immediately that's kind of a bit odd um you know that it's only three of the 10 episodes um it is episode one uh episode five the bent neck lady um and the finale episode 10 so that kind of makes sense uh you know as those free episodes um and then it also has a exclusive commentary by Flanagan. Um, obviously, I've talked a lot recently about how much I'm a huge fan of commentaries on on Blu-rays. When does um, he have the time to sit down and record a ten-hour commentary? Like, what? What? This man well, just turns out. Sleeps. 
Turns out he didn't, um, because ah. it's only on four episodes. Um, ah. So the three I've already discussed, the first, so episode, the last, and episode five. Um, and then, of course, episode six, the, I guess the most talked about one. And if you've seen the show, you will know why. Um, he did a commentary on that one as well. So that's kind of the only one that he did a commentary <clears throat> on, but doesn't have new footage. But again, if you've seen that episode, it makes sense why there wouldn't be any new footage. Um, so, yeah, weird one. Like, I does this motivate you, I guess, is, would be my question. You know, we're huge fans of this. We're also huge fans of physical media when it comes to Blu-rays, of things that Correct. we love. Um, or obviously, we already have this on Netflix. Um, it would does this motivate you to go out and buy the Blu-ray? No, no, not at all. Mm. I mean, it it depends on how extended those extended scenes are. Yeah, like, if we're talking like an hour, then do you know what I mean? Like almost like a full episode length extra or something like that. Then mm. you know maybe. But I just kind of think I've got it on Netflix, man. Like yeah. I like a Blu-ray, don't get me wrong, I like a Blu-ray more than most, but I don't like a Blu-ray for something that I'm already got for free. That, yeah, you know, what well, you already pay for. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'd so, yeah, I mean, I, I want to watch this again, but I, I'm just going to watch it again on Netflix. Yeah, like I'm very on the fence. It's not a day one purchase at all. I'm not. I'm not going to pre-order it. Um, I've watched it twice on Netflix already, so this is even more of a kind of difficult one for me. Because yeah, I think rewatching it before probably Bly Manor comes out, I might do. Um, this intrigues me on a few levels. Like I love the show so much. It is one of those few ones like we've talked about with the Netflix stuff. Like I would have loved Apostle get a Blu-ray release and a few other stuff, and it just doesn't happen. So yeah. I love the fact that they put the care into this and it, and are releasing it. Yeah, I remember like thinking. Love an, an Annihilation Blu-ray. You know? Yeah, I think that does exist now. Um, I yeah, saw that the other day. Um, but and, and also, like, the fact that it has things I've spoke about, you know, I love, like, adding new footage from the director's cut and the commentary stuff. It is a bit weird that it is these select episodes, but I do understand it. I think doing a commentary for all ten episodes maybe just wouldn't be that interesting. You know, I get that he's... why he's picked the four episodes that he has. Mm. Um, and with the extended cuts as well. So, like, um, I don't know. I'm very on the fence. It doesn't immediately grab me. Um, I definitely... It's not something that I'd immediately want to buy at full price, but I think once it, once it goes a little bit lower... Um, I might pick it up in the future. Mm. Um, and I'm glad they've done this. Cause like you say, it, it, it does speak. I'm someone who always says, you know, put the work into these Blu-rays and do the commentaries. And I feel like they've done it and I've just kind of turned my nose up at it. Um, but I have to be honest with it. And it's not, it's not speaking to me, especially because commentaries aren't something that draws me in with a TV show either. I, I 100% no. love it with films, but not with really with TV shows. Um, and then kind of, I wanted to add this story into here as well. Uh, some few details about the Midsummer Blu-ray. Um, these are these release dates i have no idea if these are worldwide um as we know we've been screwed completely um yeah so it's so the the announcement is that it's digital and on demand september 24th and then a blu-ray and dvd release october 8th um and what's interesting is there's hardly any special features there's there's the bear in a cage promo that little fun little advert that they released um as well as just one featurette um so again we don't know how long that is if it's like an hour and a half that's fair enough um yeah but just one featurette on the disc there's no commentary which is immediately turning me off and also (laughs) he has just screened his director's cut which he talked about um Mm, recently in america that's what surprised me yeah, so he screened that and it got a great reception, and um, but it's not on the Blu-ray release, and so it's like, okay, 
you know, what is this going to be? Are you ever going to release that? Do you expect fans to double dip? Because I don't think this is a big enough movie to warrant that. Um, yeah. So that sort of stuff is like already frustrating. It to really, me. it really makes me want to stick out and see whether the extended cut is coming out at some point. Because I feel like yeah. it has to. Like if he's screening it to people, like he mm. must be thinking of getting a release on it. Yeah, like had they said, here's the you know extenders cut as well as the theatrical release on the same disc, and here's a commentary. Like, boom, that's a day one buy. Um, but with the lack of other features as well, no commentary, no director's cut, like digital release, fine, I'll I'll rent it because I definitely want to watch it again this year. Um, but the idea of like buying this Blu-ray that that seems like within six months it's going to be completely outdated, yeah, it just doesn't doesn't uh doesn't excite me which is a shame for both these releases because they're two mm. things that i love yet these releases just maybe maybe arrow is gonna pick it up well that's the thing like because uh, i don't want us to always harp on about arrow but like this is the reason why we're such huge fans of theirs and it's the reason why we buy so many releases is because you can look at the releases and they do it right like they they make the money worth mm. it um you know yeah. that we haven't really discussed it we'll talk about it obviously when they come out but they have like three or four upcoming releases that look incredible and they've gone so deep on those releases oh, and yet here we are with these new movies so i know it's painful but it'll be worth it um I pre-ordered everything you had to you had to like yeah. they get you yeah, in early because they're like oh you get it slightly cheaper if you get it now it's like god damn yeah. it um and yeah, just the last quick news story um is actually to do i forgot that was amazing segue accidentally by yourself there um Yes. because it's to do with arrow um they have acquired rights to a movie um it is called uh why you don't wait why don't you just die yeah why don't you just die um <laughs> very confusing title i was like that doesn't sound right um yeah why don't you just die um it was yeah um it was at <clears throat> a lot of different festivals i don't think it's at fright fest but it's one of those generic titles that the the release says it was at uh, Fantasia Film Festival, Cinepocalypse, um, and a few others. But um, it's a Russian movie as well. And uh, yeah, basically they've picked up US and UK rights, which I love. Yeah, Arrow they always mention like UK because they know how big mm. the market is for them. Um, and yeah, again, no release date on this one. There isn't even a trade or anything. It was just you know a festival hit that they picked up. Um, Why not? But exciting because Why Arrow don't really you just die! Exclamation yep. mark Saturday night fright fest is it really yep arrow screen oh. wow it's the, okay. it's the evening wow that's awesome last, okay well there the you go one. then there you go guys it, there's your homework for anyone who is going to fright fest because we won't yeah. be there at that point so Let if you know. are going please see looking, this because i really want to know if it's any good looking at you matt and paul <laughs> um but yeah that's all the news this week so shall we talk about this week's film let's do it let's talk about once upon a time in hollywood So yeah, obviously, as we discussed last week, a little bit different this week. Um, not horror movie at all. Um, no. It's just a fun little week off. This, this won't be included in any of our best of come the end of the year, in case you're wondering, like, because hey. Because it sucks. <laughs> How dare you? Um, I was going to say the other way, and like, yeah, I'll just win everything. Like, Let's just give it best actor and everything else right now. Um, but yeah, it's not a horror film. So like, If I wasn't not... allowed to upgrade, you're not allowed this. <laughs> That, that is fair. That is absolutely fair um, because Upgrade is way more of a horror movie than this film. Um, but uh, yeah, we just wanted oh, to have a fun good. little week off and talk about <laughs> something. What did you? I didn't even hear what you said then. 
Uh, just talking about upgrade. Yeah, I was trying. I'll try and cut you off. When you talk about upgrade. <clears throat> yeah, um, it's for the best for everyone. Uh, I, don't, um, I don't even know where to begin with this movie. That's why. Yeah, it's, I, it's like yeah. I mean, also before we go into, it, I was just going to say that I don't really want to dance around like first act and middle act spoilers like we usually do um because this movie's been out forever and i really don't care about not spoiling it at this point like if you're listening to this and you care remotely about it you've probably already seen it um well, I guess, i'm not going to you know, immediately talk about the ending but, well, what, but, what but, i like, would say is you know this this is a very different episode we're not reviewing a horror movie hmm. so this is your spoiler warning i guess you know we're not yeah. going to give another one this is very different we don't normally spoil movies but this is not no. You know, this is not our wheelhouse. It's not coming into the end of year, so we're just going to talk about it and enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, yeah, I mean, do we? Do you want to do a synopsis of this? One? Yeah, that ending, bro. <laughs> oh, no, I good, think I think I want you to synopsize this because and tell me a little bit, a, a little bit about your feelings towards QT. A little well, bit. The brief history of me and Quentin Tarantino. Um, I want well I, that that version. If you could just edit that down a bit okay that's what i want to hear so i think i think it's uh it would be right to say he's my favorite director um he's not the guy who i'm the most excited for these days if i'm honest in terms of especially for the show like my love of horror has just been been exponentially heightened since we done the show and so these are always the movies i look forward to the most now clear guys he's no rob zombie <laughs> you said that not me um but no in the context of the of the show now like the jordan peels and the mike flanagan's they really are the people that get me the most excited um and with someone like qt as well he is so like he takes so long to make a movie that like i can't sit here and watch this movie and then immediately wait go like right i can't wait for the next one because i'm just gonna be sitting there for five years doing nothing so he's a guy that i, I put him on the back burner until the movies come out and then i get myself into hyped into oblivion and um <laughs> there was a lot of hype for me going into this one um you know my my just my brief own thoughts but the, his last two movies have not delivered for me um and so this really was i wanted this to be like a big return to form for the guy and you know from the initial trailers and the cast was like the i was cast, so in on this movie um because it features pretty much all of my favorite actors and i just was like the setting and everything and obviously we'll get into it but these the small teasers of, of what the manson family would play a role in this movie all of that stuff was just like it was ticking every box for me um before we even obviously get into this movie so yeah like huge fan of tarantino obviously even though like his recent stuff hasn't been my favorite um mm -hmm. And I really don't think I would be as big a fan of film in general if it wasn't for that man. Um, growing up watching like, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, those movies really shaped me as like, oh man, I really want to uh, become obsessed with how people make film. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much the brief history of me with this guy. Um, so you want a synopsis for this movie? Yeah, give it to me. So this movie basically follows our two leads, um, played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Uh, I think it's Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth. Um, Booth. Rick Dalton is a starting to become uh, has what's been. the word? Yes, starting to become a has been. Like he's certainly not washed up at this point, but he was basically a big TV star in the fifties. Had his own uh, TV show, and now he's trying to like he tried to be a movie star. It didn't really work out. He's had a few hits, but it seems like his career is coming to an end, or slowly starting to come to an end. And he's panicking a he's lot. He's on about the decline. That. 
Yeah, and so um, and Cliff is his stuntman, his long-suffering stuntman, um, who has been by his side for a very long time at this point. They've developed a ex- extremely strong friendship between the two of them, um, and yeah, that they are kind of our lead two characters in Hollywood, nineteen sixty-nine, um, living in the Hollywood Hills, the, the two of them, and or not necessarily Cliff, um, in the in the in the close by area, <laughs> shall we say? Um, and Don't even know if it's close yeah, by, man. <laughs> no, he drives for a long time. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, like the, that's what the, this movie is about. Basically, is is Cliff um, and Rick trying to find their place in the world with with an ever ever changing Hollywood. The, the way movies are being made is changing. The way westerns are kind of very much uh, getting changed, and they're not as popular. Um, and yeah, all that Tarantino, stuff. Really, it's very much a common. You know, one of these, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it's one of those movies that, it, like a Stephen King type. I think in in that sense, it's it reminds me of Stephen King stories where he likes to deal with change a lot. He likes to go on certain characters, and it's generally he focuses on um, when you first become an adult. Like a lot of his yeah, movies are about that change from teenage to adulthood. And, yeah, um, and I think that's what this movie is kind of like in a sense, where it's like, hey, are these characters, and they're going for a very much change. They're not going to be the same at the end of this movie as they are at the start of it. Um, there's a lot going on. Obviously, he is, uh, I guess uh very much um he's neighbors with sharon tate and roman polanski uh in 1969 Mm -hmm. um this is where a synopsis for this movie gets kind of odd because for people who haven't seen it i guess and know nothing it's a difficult one to explain where there is a lot of stuff based upon history um whereas of course our two lead characters they are not real people um they yeah real real life history you know sharon uh, because a lot of people watching this movie won't know that sharon tate you know was was an actress and you know a real actress whereas you know rick dalton and cliff booth are made up characters and it really bleeds the lines between kind of yeah fact and fiction yeah, like a lot of the actors you see here are, are portraying real people. There's a real Roman Polanski. There's a real Steve McQueen or, you know, real in the sense of they're being portrayed by actors in this world, in this movie. Mm. Um, but then there's plenty of characters who aren't real people. Um, mostly our lead two. But like, I don't think the guy who Al Pacino plays is necessarily a real guy. I could be wrong, actually, on that one. Yeah, it's difficult um, to know, really, because, mm. you know, they, because they start interacting with Cliff and Rick, you then think oh, they're yeah. probably not real. But who, who knows for certain? yeah. It's difficult because, like, later on when we see um, Rick working in the movies, all of those people are real. His co-stars and the director and all that stuff, they are based Mm -hmm. upon real people. Yeah. And Cliff and Rick are weird because they're, like, an amalgamation of a lot of real people. Um, I think Quentin has said that um, Rick is basically five different actors that he chose of that era and kind Mm -hmm. of picked different personality traits, different movies, and kind of merged them all together. Um, So I think that's where this movie strays away from, you know, what what actually happened. Um, But, yeah, is, is there anything? else in a synopsis that we need to cover like that's pretty much it right like I think that's it. these two guys yeah. struggling in hollywood yeah yeah it's, yeah it's mainly those two struggling and you know that you, then you've got the the sharon tate and the you know the uh, parts of the manson family and that bit that that really bleeds into what we you know what actually happened um, yeah that's very much the these sub- two worlds happen happening together yeah yeah, it's cool the way they do it in the movie because you very much you just keep seeing these little glimpses of like Manson family members, and that obviously escalates up to a point which we'll get to. And they're you know they cover a whole different range of the family. Um, obviously, we we see Charles, a glimpse of him in the trailer, um, but there's pretty much everyone. It, it, again, for people who are really into this story and we're not are we we're not people who have no. uh, traditionally followed the charles manson type stuff but if you've read like helter skelter and you've read and you've watched all of the true crime documentaries i'm sure this is a movie that would i don't know whether you'd like it more or less i guess i think i think you would get more out of it because i think the more you know the more yeah. interesting this movie is um yeah. 
like immediately from the start like we show that um leo lives on um is it i think it's coelho i'm not sure you pronounce it drive um and so for people who know it's like oh, okay you know that's where sharon tate lives and then as soon as you see the, the neighbors you're like okay that's the house where the murders happen um yeah so it's, immediately it's really odd because you're going to have this subsection of people that know what's going on and you're going to have the yeah. vast majority of people that are going to go see this film at the cinema. They have mm. no idea who Sharon Tate is or what happened to her mm. and will just be, you know, thinking that this is all just a work of Tarantino's mind. Yeah. Um, which is, which is really interesting. You know, it, it, that, that side of things, the truth versus you know tarantino's tarantino's fictional characters and the bleeding mm. of that and the um obviously the the audience kind of n- not knowing potentially is is yeah. the thing that interests me most about this yeah um you know when we were when we were like a little way into this movie and we were getting sharon tay and we see the manson cult and that sort of thing and i'm just sitting there thinking my God, this is more a bigger part of this movie than I thought it was going to be. Mm. And most people in this room are not going to know who these people are, um, mm. which is fascinating. Yeah, like I always, I really wonder if he thinks that or not. You know, like does he assume that most people don't know, or does he assume that most people do know? Well, well, obviously the thing is as well. I I have no idea how. I I assume it is significantly bigger in America. Yeah. You know, um, Especially like LA, you know, the history yeah, of LA and Hollywood. And you know, it was a crazy thing that happened back then. And for us, because it's kind of, you know, so, so long ago. And, um, you know, even for us, like in the UK, you could ask people who OJ Simpson is and, and mm. you'd get a very mixed bag of yeah, people who would 100%. know him and people who wouldn't. Whereas anyone in the states you know that they're going to know who he is instantly so yeah we have those same names like some people in america will know who jimmy savile is and others won't Mm. like yeah yeah exactly exactly well i was even thinking like jill dando and stuff like you know i'm sure people in america would have no idea who that is you know Mm. so yeah you know it's um it is interesting being in the uk watching this as opposed to the us where maybe it maybe you know sharon tate is much more of a familiar name yeah, definitely. But obviously for us, you know, we're not experts on it, but we do know the gist of it. We under- we know who Sharon Tate was and we know what did happened. Did we not review her. the movie for the show? Yeah, we did. Uh, Wolves what was at the, the door. Wolves at the door, um, yeah. And I actually forgot, looking up this week, um, remember we, we talked about it ages ago, I think, or well, maybe this year, the trailer for that Matt Smith movie where he plays yeah. Charles Manson? Yeah. Um, it's called Charlie Says. That came out Ooh. like a couple of weeks ago. Um, I did yeah so like i kind of want to check that out at some point because like that trailer to I me don't, movie, really movies, odd. movies that came out a couple of weeks ago just did not do well for us i'm, I'm good man. <laughs> yeah. i'm good I, when i looked it up i was like god damn it why didn't i see that this was out <laughs> um even though i don't think that movie looks good but i think it looks interesting because yeah just we, yeah we won't get into that now yeah um, we, we've done this yeah. three weeks in a row bro i'm not doing yeah. it, <laughs> it um, doesn't look good but it looks interesting great two and a half hours later yeah anyway um once upon a time the the sharon stuff is fascinating because for the for the majority of this movie and i guess we're getting into the review aspect of it now um she is kind of just there like you you're experiencing her as a Mm. character and as as you say i think it's interesting if someone had no idea who she was compared to people that know a little bit because yeah we know a little bit so we know she's a real person i knew that she was an actor and all this stuff with roman polanski Mm. um so seeing like her just live her life being this young 
young, carefree, happy, um, a generous person. For you know, that's what her character is for pretty much this entire movie. Yeah, like she's not directly involved in the plot. She's not driving the narrative forward or anything like that. That's the bit that's confusing because for people that would have no idea who she is, she's just there, and there are scenes with her in it, and Mm. you'd be like. Why are we focusing on his neighbor? They've had no interaction. They ha- they don't mm. even speak to each other. They just drive past, and yet she's being bled into it. And yeah, like um, you know, I could imagine people watching it would be like, "Why are we just watching her being really nice and watching her movies?" Um, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing. Yeah, that's why I feel like drive you the almost. I feel like you have to know a little bit to even mm. get like the best out of this movie. You know, like mm. I think that knowing that is massively important because yeah. what he does so well is he's trying to drive home. I think he's playing upon your conventions of what you know as this character throughout a lot of the movie. And he heightens that towards the end, which we'll get to. Um, but I think he's playing upon your, I guess, fear and worry of what happens inevitably to this oh, character. They, they, who has such a tragic you know, ending. She, um, is one of the loveliest people that has been portrayed in movies for a while. Do you know what I mean? She just, there's nothing bad. She's just, you know, everything she does is nice. And she's just for a Tarantino movie as well. Yeah. She's got a smile on her face the whole time, you know, and she's, Mm. she is the epitome of innocence in this movie. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting choice. Um, But yeah, I guess just to talk about it overall, like this movie is fascinating to me. Um, It's very long and uh, I saw it twice this week. Um, Yeah. You psycho. I wondered, I so watching this movie the first time, and the best way I can describe it was similar to when I watched Us, um, and I did a similar thing as well, where I watched that twice in quick succession in the cinema, and I had very similar thoughts actually. Where first time I watched it, really enjoyed it, um, and but it was it had so much nervous excitement going in and wanting, hoping it was going to pay off and what I wanted it to be, and and even more so with that movie because obviously for the show we were huge fans of Get Out. You know, this was Jordan's second ever movie, um, so it was very much like, can he do it or is he just a one hit wonder? Whereas I don't think anyone's going into a Tarantino movie in 2019 thinking, can he make another good movie? Because we know that he can. Um, so so in that sense, it's different. But it was just that nervous excitement and really kind of like being enamored what was on screen the second time watching it was when i just really appreciated how much this is an incredibly made movie um you know i could really it wasn't so much worrying about where the story was going what was going to happen it was just moment to moment enjoying what he was putting on screen and i think that in a lot of ways this is a very different tarantino movie um even though there's a lot going on and i think if you had to describe it you would struggle but i think this in terms of plot this is maybe one of his weakest movies um because uh, you know, if you judge from our synopsis alone, you've got these two characters that are in Hollywood. That's the setup. And then kind of yeah. something happened. Obviously, we're being, I'm being a little bit, um, what's the word kind of uh, reductive yeah um but like that's pretty much it right it's like it's leo (laughs) and it's brad and they're living their lives it's not like pop fiction where there's all these different intricate storylines going on or even something like inglorious bastards i feel like it's weak on story so i think where this movie really stands out is visual style um and the acting which of course we'll get to but i think that um the first like third of this movie is just pretty much setting up characters and then really Quentin fetishizing the sixties, um, which is what he does so well when he loves something. Um, he's done this multiple times where it's like, you know, that Quentin loves 
he loves 1969 Hollywood. And he is going to show you that in every single way, whether it's yeah. has all these billboards, has all these old movies. Yeah, has all may- these old- maybe we're going to have a two minute scene of billboards turning on just because he yeah. loves old billboards. Yeah, like look at know? this old movie theater. Yeah. Look how old everything is. This is all the stuff I grew up with. It's so much better than everything today. You know, it really does yeah. come across that way. Yeah. Um, but you feel that enthusiasm. And so I think the second time watching it, I just appreciate it. And especially as someone who has zero thoughts towards any of this stuff i have zero love or recollection or anything towards um 60s culture um and and in particular 60s hollywood like everything i know is going to be based upon this movie um so i'm not coming from it from a wide uh variety of knowledge or anything like that um so I thought that was like the interesting aspect of the first hour of the movie, but I think it gets way better. I think the middle act and the end and the and the final act are so much stronger, in particularly the final. I think this is a slow burn movie that just gets better and better. Um, and yeah. I think the finale is just outstanding. It's one of the best things he's ever done, which is a huge praise for me because like five of his movies are five of my all-time favorite movies. And I really think you could put the last... 20 to 30 minutes of this movie up against anything he's ever done um that's how strong it is i think there's some scenes to get there that that are going to be a tough to watch the more i watch this movie and the more i appreciate it um especially a lot of the western stuff um there's a lot of western stuff in this movie and we haven't spoke about it on air but i'm not i'm not a western fan and with his no. last two movies being entire westerns, to then have pretty much half or not not half. Yeah, we've we've had two and a third now. Yeah. Uh, his last three movies, oh, it's a western lot. movies. Yeah. Mm. So that aspect of it, I don't think ages well. Um, but just to quickly to, to get you in here, like overall, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, sh- I guess shocking no one because I'm a huge fan. But I also think that it is surprising to me because I really wasn't as big a fan of his last two movies. And this will be 10 years since the last movie that I loved of his. Yeah. And so I think this is a, this is his best movie in a decade. And I think that's huge praise. Um, I'm glad I loved it. And, and again, I think we're saving the the lead here because I really do think the acting is what is going to stand out the most by, by far about this movie yeah um, it definitely does yeah which i think is interesting actually but uh, but i want to get your overall thoughts uh, in very quickly but um the acting is obviously always stood out in quentin's movies for sure but like he's a director who's known for his directing and i think for the first time this is a movie where even i'll say that i think this is a beautiful movie it's gonna be one of those ones where this the first thing in a few months when people say to me like what do you remember about once upon a time in hollywood i'm gonna be reeling off three or four different actors before i remotely come to the quentin aspect of it you know yeah the that's story. a really that's a really interesting thing because he's always had great actors do great things but this mm. is led and predominantly by our two leads, you know, mm. Le- Leo and, and Brad are just, you know, you, we know they're two of the best actors on the planet, but yeah. they're given the freedom just to, like, be cool as shit for two and mm. a half hours. And that's exactly yeah. what they do. Um, but, yeah, for me, um, my, my thoughts on the movie, I, I definitely like this movie quite a bit. And I agree with you that this is his best movie in a decade. You know, mm. I liked Django. Um, I yeah, did same. not like Hateful Eight. Neither of them can touch any of his previous movies. Yeah. This one hangs with the with the movies. Um, but um, the point that you made, this movie hangs with him because of the final act. Yeah. The final act is incredible. The uh, the rest of this movie, I got I got myself like about an hour and a half in, and I was like, don't get me wrong. I like Brad and Leo as much as the next guy, but I sat there and I was like, Noth- nothing's going on in this movie. Like I'm kind <laughs> yeah. of enjoying it, but 
I've just watched Leo just like hack up his guts and and smoke <laughs> for an hour and a half, and I'm like, he does some of the best cough slash yeah, smoke acting I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, and I'm like, don't get me wrong, that's great, but <laughs> like, that's ninety minutes of my life. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you're watching a promo reel for these actors rather than an actual cohesive yeah, movie. Yeah, you know, I feel like either of them could just put this on there, you know, if they needed mm. to, which they bloody don't. But they just <laughs> yeah. be like, here we go, look, this is what I can do. But yeah. like, it's it's odd because. It, it it screams Tarantino in the way it's made. You know, mm. it's super stylish, fantastic soundtrack, yeah. just these quirky scenes, scenes that go on too long, but you appreciate them because they're just witty. And, you know, pretty much everything you expect from a Tarantino movie. But he really, you know, because talking of his like recent you know years and and movies that he's done you know he it, it, it is kind of like I, I wonder if he can just do a shorter format something that's a little bit less kind of no i don't i don't want to say like self-centered or something like that mm. but like you said like he really loves the 60s so he wants us to be a love letter to the things he loves and fair play to him and it's a mm. great love letter to that but i just wonder can he take a step away and just focus on making a movie yeah <laughs> instead of like a love letter as well um because obviously like he's always wanting to make a western and then he's done like this giant like 10 years of his life for this love letter and mm. you know I, I wonder how i would feel about this movie if his proceeding to didn't exist yeah you know if he came off kill bill and then did this and he was like okay this is the western getting out of his system i'm like fuck yeah do you know what i mean and like mm. and like i certainly like i say i liked django but you know that and then hateful eight and now this i'm just kind of like i really want him to do something just completely different yeah and just completely step away from that and 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 go with something more like his old movies that were telling a story you know i think about pulp fiction and the the style and everything that I've just said about this, the acting, the music and everything else is there. But you've also got this killer story and this this, you know, amalgamation of things that leaves you wanting more like with with this movie. I didn't want any more of it. Like I got enough of Leo smoking and spitting mm. and coughing. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, as much as I like Brad Pitt's out on a roof shirtless, like I got enough of that. Like I didn't need yeah, we could have more. <laughs> and so I just kind of. You know, uh, by the end of it, leading into the final act, which obviously we'll come to, but leading into that, I was definitely like, okay, I re this movie needs to get going because we're now getting towards two hours and it really has just been like a fun ride, but one that's not like a crazy you know plot driven thing yeah i agree with you in terms of his uh directing style you're talking about how you know long the start of this movie is and that stuff like <clears throat> that is him isn't it like he yeah. he's making movies for himself first and foremost in and... recent years i i think ever since kill bill really and like obviously yeah. we, we love kill bill but um that's the point when he got enough power and freedom and he was quentin tarantino like on un like unequivocally and um could could be like i'm just gonna make you know a four hour movie you know in kill bill and um you know split it into two but it's basically a four hour movie and we're gonna love it and like mm -hmm. we did and we still do but you know i just think like you know his proper old stuff just kind of did did serve the purpose a bit more and was a little bit less kind of you know focusing on you know him 
his love of things yeah i definitely think his first three movies was a guy who was obviously learning how to make movies because he was incredibly mm. young at the time and that was him trying to make a movie and then from that point on when he had, when he had a huge success in his first three movies yeah kill bill i think was a massive turning point and i think yeah. it's i think it's his best film and i think that it was from that point on where he just decided that like, look as a filmmaker people are always going to go see a tarantino movie at this point yeah. um i'm never going to be the guy who makes the most money either because you look at the, the money that his movie makes and this one's doing well but like his last two didn't do that well inglorious did decent but not amazing like he's not a guy that just is going to immediately bring in hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars like it's just not his mmo his mo um so i think no, that, yeah, he's, he's always going to be a guy who just makes it for himself isn't he you know we got the nolan trailer before mm. this movie and like nolan's a guy that like it does make incredible bank as well yeah it's and crazy like, you know and well he's and more of like of the these... spielberg of his time. yeah no. i was gonna say you know and you think of like the spielbergs and that sort of thing but yeah tarantino is not that at all like he's like he is just like it's not indie but it is almost indie he's like i was gonna say like that he feels like indie. yeah like, he's the most popular and successful like indie filmmaker of all time yeah <laughs> who's making it on a massive budget and he's and he can bring in brad pitt and leonardo dicaprio <laughs> to co-star in his movie which no one still, else in the world but, but, could but do. it still like feels like an indie movie you know yeah the way you're still gonna have like a 10 minute segment where it's yeah. brad pitt feeding his dog and you would never yeah. get that in any other blockbuster no movie. exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there'll be there'll be at least one zoomed in bare naked foot, uh, yeah. probably pressed against glass. Oh, at like, least probably ten at this point. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he's running out of movies, so he's got to get those foot shots in while he can. Yeah, I mean, he, um, could, he could just film them. They don't have to be in the final version. Like he could shoot them <laughs> for him. Nah, because then it's like you know, you just got you just got a wink and nod. Like I see Quinton, I see. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I just there was a couple of them in this film. I was like, <laughs> oh, really, really, Quinton. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah talk, talking it's... again about the, obviously the actors, I thought they were <clears throat> like they're they're so ridiculously phenomenal, and I think that yeah, obviously it goes without saying, two of the most popular actors of the last thirty years are incredible, mm. but we've seen them both in tarantino movies i think that you know in inglorious and in django they were amazing especially leo because he's in a worse movie and so he stands out more he, like mm. he's the best thing in that movie by far um i remember the first time i watched it and i still every time i rewatch it feel the same way it's going at such a slow pace django oh, Unchained. Leo turns the second up, yeah. he shows up it's this injection of energy that that movie desperately needed at that time and then he just carries it on his shoulders until the that, finale that um, movie does not hang it like does does not go anywhere near the heights that it does for me without with him not in it you know no, it would be right down there with hateful eight for me if he wasn't mm. in it so yeah like we already know that those two can do it but i i wonder like with it like this movie has an insane cast as well and mm. it's hard like i really wondered if they could equally stand out and the fact that they do like the first time i watched this i was like expecting a leonardo dicaprio masterclass, mm. and instead i got a brad pitt masterclass. and but rewatching it the second time i was like you know what maybe i was a bit harsh on dicaprio because he's amazing as well but i think i was more shocked the first time because i, I didn't expect it's, brad to play such a pivotal role in where we're we're both more leo guys than brad guys and like yeah so going into it i was expecting a leo masterclass, and um i didn't know that brad could carry the movie in that sort of way that he did um yeah and and pull off that sort of role that i would enjoy so much um but he really did nail it and so yeah for me like it was an absolute you know brad masterclass, and then like 
the usual Leo masterclass, which yeah. doesn't doesn't make it bad at all. But I'm just like I was. Uh, Brad gave me more than that I've seen him do in recent movies. Yeah, whereas I think Leo this... kind of gave me what I expected from him. Yeah, this may this may sound harsh towards Leo, but the way I felt having watched it the first time was that I felt like Brad Pitt perfectly embodied the character. I felt like I was watching Cliff Booth on screen the entire time. I was in love with this character throughout the entire movie. Whereas I feel like Leo's acting style is (laughs) not necessarily he embodies the character so much, is like he can just act his way out of a brown paper bag. And you see that in every scene, like the the you know, an amazing scene when he's arguing with himself in the trailer. Like that is classic leo you know where it's like it doesn't even necessarily you know it is rick and it's an important moment for rick as a character so maybe that's me being reductive towards that but i look at it and i go like man that leo guy can really act on his own can't he and he can make us laugh he can make us cry he can do all that just on his own yeah Um, no you're right i think if if those characters were reversed and leo played um cliff Mm. you know leo would do a great job of being cliff but but brad kind of embodied him it just felt like that was a more true to life persona almost and whereas whereas with leo yeah you you just know that give him anything and he'll he'll smash it yeah Um, because definitely that is not my favorite sort of role for leo to play Mm. because because um he's not a badass in any way and he he's he's pretty much a loser yeah like it like as very insecure in this movie and very insecure and just kind of washed you know getting towards being washed up and like none of those things are leo so mm. um you know it, it definitely was a harder role i think for the out of the two but yeah they were both absolutely fantastic you know i think i think you know it's one of those things where for me like this movie i i i really respect tarantino i really like his movies i'm not a super fan um i'll watch a movie every time he releases a movie you know i'll watch it at the cinema i'm a big fan but i'm not a crazy fan and i just Mm. think that um i tend to watch them and then you know kind of think and, and move on reasonably quickly and i think i probably will with this one you know a couple of his movies have really stuck with me you know certainly kill bill and you know his his older stuff but in recent years it's more just like django where i watch it i'm like hell yeah fun movie you know really enjoyed it great actors and then you know move on and i think that'll be what this movie will predominantly be for me with the exception of the final parts of this movie yeah i could see that for sure it it was really interesting for me because obviously i come from it where i had this huge history and and love for the director but recently he's just done stuff that i never wanted to see him waste his time doing that was Mm. my my biggest downfall was that yeah he's not prolific we're talking a decade's worth of work and that's three movies mike flanagan does that in about 18 months (laughs) well yeah plus he's also he's not doing stuff that appeals to me like it's it's one thing where if you make three movies in a decade but if all three of those movies were stuff that immediately ticks all the boxes for me that's fine yeah. um like his previous work like if his middle three movies in the 2000s when he did kill bill death proof and inglorious bastards all yeah. three of those projects massively speak to me and on so many different levels and then to go into his last uh two it's just a complete opposite um so going into this like, i had so much hype I, i've I felt like it was going to feel like a greatest hits of a Quentin Tarantino movie. And it doesn't feel like that. And I don't even know what I would have wanted that to feel like. Um, It was mainly because of the cast. You know, we see like, oh, Michael Madsen's in this and all these guys. But I think for the most part, the cast is 
weird because they're very small roles and they just pop up almost like cameos um, yeah there are so many people in this that like like for example a great example is like one of our favorite actors of recent memory um victoria pedretti who you know is the lead in haunted of hill house and she's like this incredible incredible actor she has one line in this movie mm. and it's a little bit distracting when you watch it and you recognize everyone from loads of different things but yeah. they have a really small role and obviously that's what you get <clears throat> because it's a tarantino movie like yeah, everyone wants to be I- in a tarantino Movie. i was like hang on a second was that danielle harris yeah <laughs> there's so many of those yeah you know and it, it was happening throughout the whole movie um the, the one I that guess... stood out the worst to me was damien lewis playing steve oh, mcqueen my God. um that like i was watching it and he was talking and i was like <laughs> holy shit that's someone and then i looked closer <laughs> yeah. and i was like holy shit that's damien lewis i was like and it's I distracting was so, isn't it I was so, like... that, that was the worst one because then i was just watching it like you look so weird right now. And what are yeah. you doing in a Tarantino movie as well? Like he doesn't yeah. seem like a Tarantino sort, sort of actor. Well, no, and that <laughs> scene, I mean, I don't think that scene worked remotely either. Um, no, it was an awful scene. Yeah. It was just a weird one. So you have these small moments where I would rather it, it was more like a normal movie, you know, where these small roles aren't all played by a face and a name, but I get mm. it. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. So if you can get someone to, to, you know, if you can get one of the best, the actors of last year to read exactly. one line in your movie why not but like i would rather that just went to someone who's not as distracting um but i guess to get to the more horror focused stuff obviously the a main talked about scene and this is getting spoilers now is when um you know Br- brad uh, cliff has these multiple um run-ins with uh, a member of the manson family uh, who goes by yeah. pussycat um he eventually uh gives her a ride to the spawn movie ranch um and you get this ma- amazing sort of drawn out long sequence um what did you think of all that stuff yeah no i really i really enjoyed it um you really feel the tension in it don't you and mm. just kind of even the second time i felt it as well the great horror tropes of building it up more and more and more um you got the character she she called red or something the the lady in the shack Oh, squeaky, squeaky. That's it. Yeah. Um. You know, you got her who plays that role so well. Where yeah. you know, um, and you just think all oh, hell's going to break loose. Um, mm. it, it it kind of um, it kind of deflates very quickly. Um, mm. which which I and then the actual scene that we got, I didn't enjoy that much. But the mm. actual kind of tension leading up to it was fantastic. And then when he leaves and we get the with the remaining bit with the tire change and all of that was yeah. fantastic as well. But the interaction with him and the old guy on the bed, uh, it really like suddenly was like it was it was escalating, 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 dropped off a cliff, hated mm. their dialogue. And then it then jumped back into stuff that I liked yeah it's really weird i agree i i really loved it because it was so tense and so interesting to watch where obviously as someone i didn't even know like about spawn movie ranch and all that stuff no, which I is real yeah. stuff and um with george spawn and so i didn't know what was going to happen you know had they murdered him was he even going to be there all of this different stuff is, is running through your mind like what are they you know it seems like they're baiting him into the house at some point i'm like yeah, oh god what's gonna happen brad pitt leaves the movie i'm not gonna lie yeah for, for you know where they're gonna do the the john travolta move on us um yeah. and, it, and it was would have hurt so bad because like i loved him so much and he just looks like such a badass especially i love when he's just walking away because like at any point in that that in that situation it's so intimidating and he just doesn't give a shit at all like mm. he's just walking to his car lighting a cigarette like he's the most in he's control such a person bad motherfucker in this movie 
yeah like he just doesn't care about anyone and obviously we get that because of these little snippets of his backstory which i love how they like they give you these little hints that he is more deranged than they're letting on like he's not just a cool stunt man like he's actually done some messed up stuff and so and it really backs up his character and solidifies that and yeah even, even though the scene definitely is building all this tension with not much payoff i still really liked it yeah um, and and it definitely served the purpose at that time where it's kind of it's parallel to this very long drawn out western part of the movie um I which again um is, it was no, i enjoyed but it was i thought <laughs> the brad stuff just carried that so much where i was like oh thank god we're not seeing a western again right now like yeah. i'm actually seeing a character driving the plot I, forward i enjoyed the payoff the of the western stuff but there was a mm. lot of it i really didn't like it was um, too long you, i think that you're could just watching been you're just watching a crappy western halfway through yeah. with no context yeah because it's leo filming a scene but you just watch that scene play out and i'm like i don't care for this yeah. um but there's been a lot of conversation obviously about that scene and tarantino and horror and stuff and mm. i just kind of feel like that's that's been run away with it's something that i'm 100%. not i'm not interested of going into because it, it was a suspenseful scene it it it's not horror scene it's a really good suspenseful intense scene and it means yeah. nothing about him ever wanting to do a horror movie it's yeah. just that he's a kick-ass filmmaker you know so he i love the idea that like people have, have, people have clamored onto this like he's not ever done anything like this before which was preposterous yeah, exactly like the, the entire bar scene in inglorious bastards yeah. is way more tense exactly. and then you've got like all of death proof well, which is basically opening, the opening of inglorious bastards yeah like mm-hmm. is is pure horror and like know, think about all the moments in, in pulp concept. fiction and reservoir yeah. dogs like he's 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 done so much better stuff i think that is closer to horror and obviously this is just because yeah. we've seen it because we follow the community and this is a big movie and so everyone's trying to like jump on the bandwagon yeah and obviously um, it's a manson you know charles manson as yeah. well so but but yeah you know it, it was really good i mean do we want to talk about the the end of this movie or should yeah. we not go right into it yeah we may as maybe, well maybe just a little bit um yeah i mean i think it's awesome like i think it's one of the most satisfyingly brilliant brutal scenes i've seen in a long time and it's something that i've wanted to see in horror that we haven't seen and so that's why i think that's more interesting it doesn't make me go oh i want to see him make a horror movie but he did something that a lot of horror movies aren't giving me which is a huge huge payoff to a brilliantly brutal scene a huge a huge twist and a huge like you say something that i wanted to see you know Mm. we um going into this we, we talked a lot about margot robbie and kind of her portrayal of tate and kind mm. of um she is so wholesome and innocent throughout this whole movie and so suddenly the movie shifts almost to like a documentary style of yeah. the day that she's gonna be attacked and um i really had this feeling in my stomach like i can't fucking handle this um mm. like i knew what happened in real life and I knew that this movie, the opening of this movie said this movie contains strong bloody violence. And we hadn't had any strong bloody violence or nothing major, yeah. not to warrant an 18. Because that's the other thing about this movie. You know, Tarantino movies normally warrant an 18 for multiple things. This mm. movie it gets its 18 certificate because of the finale. 
without yeah. the, without such a graphic finale this would have been a 15 easily whereas most of his other movies just an amalgamation of drug use violence you know everything um it brings it into play just just bare feet in your face for hours you know all of that stuff one thing that uh, massively stood out to me as well in a refreshing way was the use of language because this movie yeah. doesn't have an insane amount of swearing no. and i don't think it has the n-word used once which was really nice because out of the last two movies yeah. where yeah. he's just using it constantly it was really nice to not have to hear that in a movie yeah and especially with all the swearing as well but but yeah and so you know going into that scene i was just i had this feeling of dread where i was just like i really don't want to see this you know and with it being something that i know happened in real life as well it just always feels so much more horrific and then knowing Mm -hmm. what tarantino could do with it i was just like oh this is gonna be bloody brutal um and so when they when they flip it on its head um i i thought it was absolutely incredible um you know the, we spoke about this off air but you know the, the these three people that, that committed these murders are three of the most horrible people in history and for tarantino just to fuck them up in the most brutal way with brad pitt mm-hmm. just being fucking awesome and then leo just turning up with a flamethrower <laughs> i was just like hell yes this was a movie you know redemption for hollywood and just being like f you we're not gonna we're not gonna glorify what you guys did we're just gonna Mm. say screw you and yeah i i thought it was fantastic absolutely like like i said it's what elevates this movie to something that that is in the conversation with his other work yeah, I think it's the it's a power fantasy in the best possible way mm. where it's like, let's write these two amazing characters that you completely fall in love with and you think are just the coolest dudes in the world. And let's have them fuck up like three of the most horrible, despicable human beings in the history of the world. And mm. so and that's the finale of your movie. <laughs> like, that's what he wrote. Congratulations, Quinn. And that works really, really well. Mm. And it makes a really satisfying conclusion to when you get that final moment when Leo is just hugging Sharon and, and meets her. It's yeah. an incredible ending to the movie. Oh, and when, you know, nice. the, the, the writing coming on the screen the once upon a time in hollywood it's it just feels like a beautiful moment and that was my it, one of my biggest takes me, away from this whole movie it hit me emotionally when that popped mm. up because you don't get an opening title card do you for this movie no it just the movie just starts um, and and it so starts you get with the like the rick playing the, in Barney law yeah um as like you say as he's hugging um sharon tate and i just thought like mm. what a moment you know to to be able to put that on screen and 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 you know just you know what like you say li- living out uh, a fantasy of what hasn't happened in, in the best mm. possible way yeah so, yeah, I thought I that was great. I thought that was amazing. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this movie is received at the Oscars next year because I got a feeling it could just clean up. I think that with the two lead acting performances, I'd be shocked if they both didn't get nominations. I think that Margot is a really interesting one because she hardly has any dialogue, um, but I could still see it just because of the character that she plays and how well she plays yeah. it. Um, I do uh... think she's maybe one dialogue scene away. If she'd had one talky scene, like the like for example when Leo talks to the little girl, if she if it had she'd had one scene like that i think she would have been an absolute shoo-in um yeah, i think other than I that, it's a question mark i don't know like uh with the whole oscars and that like what the hell they're gonna pick and what they go for well the other aspect of it, it is it because, should because this but... movie is a love letter to old school hollywood i think that's gonna be a huge like one up for them as well because they yeah, just love well, this sort of stuff we'll get it maybe but yeah who knows but yeah it's awesome like, i'm glad that this movie has come out i re i thoroughly enjoyed it um 
it's weird because I, I, I always maybe overhype myself to the point where talking about the greatest hits thing where in my mind, I think there was a universe where this would be my favorite Tarantino movie. And I think that that's probably a bad thing to think about going into the movie because mm-hmm. now my expectations have been set. I've seen it twice and I really liked it and I can... I can confidently say it's his best movie in 10 years easily. Um, yeah. And then the fact that it's already in the conversation with five other Quentin movies that I adore, like there's now six, you know, uh, I should mention that Jackie Brown is the other one that I don't adore along with his, uh, his two movies before this. Um, yeah. So the other five and this movie, six movies, love, love, love all of them. Yeah. Um, and I so, still yeah. think for me, this one is in that pile, but it would be the bottom of that pile. There's not yeah. this respect, this movie, but it's just his other stuff is so goddamn good. Oh, yeah. It's so hard to compare, isn't it? Because I, I sit there and I'm going like, oh, is this better than Pulp Fiction? I'm like, I can't yeah. even, like, how am I supposed to even work that out? It's a movie I've loved for over 20 years. Yeah. Like, so, You can't. It, it doesn't no. hang, man. Like, it's fucking Pulp Fiction. Like... I can't answer that question. I honestly can't because it's just it's so new and fresh. I've, I've it. seen it twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's Pulp Fiction, movie. man. It's Pulp Fiction, yeah. man. But yeah, that's pretty. No, it's incredible. Obviously, I mean, Reservoir Dogs was my favorite movie for a long time as well. It's so like, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So, I guess to no surprise, but also I did surprise me how much I liked mm. it, considering the last two. Um, yeah, and I definitely think for us, like horror fans, just mm. go give yourself a treat. Recommend it. I recommend this movie. Like, just nice. Go watch it. Have fun, mm. and you'll see some crazy violence at the end, which is very satisfying because it happens to horrible people that deserve it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we even though we said this doesn't include in our categories and we should probably stick to that, but my God, when you're talking about best death, not only visually, but yeah. satisfyingly, I think that the, the pool death of Sadie is one yeah. of the best I've ever seen. Um, from how it escalates to that final moment of yeah. seeing Rick motherfucking Dalton with a, with a flamethrower, <laughs> I just think is so satisfying. I love it yeah. so much. It made me think, oh, watching an hour of a Western in this film was worthwhile because we got, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, right? That's what, <laughs> that's the power of this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but yeah, that was our review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We will take a short break and we'll be right back. So yeah, of course, you can always hit us up on Twitter at SHBpod. Uh, you can always send us an email at superhorrorbros at gmail.com if you want to send something longer. Um, this week, we do have a lovely email from Sean. Um, we are going a little bit long, and we want to uh, preview Fright Fest, so just a few points here to talk about on air. Um, he mentioned, obviously, the news last week. Uh, we talked about Edgar Wright's next movie. Um, yeah. He said, uh, new film on deck from Edgar Wright last night in Soho. He actually has another film, Shadows, in post right now. Uh, so that should be available first. Um, I did really enjoy Baby Driver. So this new film, which is being positioned as horror, is exciting news. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't know anything about the Shadows movie. I no. looked it up on IMDb, um, and it seems like it might be a smaller release. Um, I'm not sure if it's animated as well, um, but it had a couple of directors listed. And yeah, there's hardly any information like casting or release date or anything. Um, so I am curious if anyone knows any any more information about this one um but yeah either yeah, way whatever's definitely. the next project sounds cool yeah and yeah w- what we know about soho as well sounds fantastic um 
he said, uh, uh, talking about Nosferatu, of course, we talked about last week. He says, uh, AMC has done incredible stuff, and the show sounds interesting. Uh, I've not read any of Joe Hill's works, but the premise seems to utilize superhero tropes in its foundation. Uh, Zachary Quinto is always good, so I need to check the show out, especially with how you check praised it. it. Thanks for the Yeah, of course. Like, highly recommend the book. Um, his other works as well are, are mm-hmm. really fantastic. Um, I know you've read a few of the other ones, haven't you, uh, of his books? Um, but uh yeah i've I've kind of read like heart shape box was really good as well um and a few others but uh yeah we both love the book and the tv show as well it seems like no one's talking about it so definitely check it out definitely um i was trying to remember the um, book i read recently what was the one that he was it um, the short stories one i did the short stories one didn't he have another um oh the fireman did you read that yeah the fireman the fireman i've not i've not read that one yeah the fireman's fantastic that was the one yeah, yeah, that's really his only good. novel, full-length novel. I haven't read. I need to yeah, get to that one. Like um, a, um, that was like a post-apocalyptic. Post-apocalyptic, yeah. So I'm like, hell yeah, Joe Hill. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely need to see that one. Um, mm-hmm. He also says, uh, Mike, I greatly appre- uh, greatly admire your goal to get through all the Puppet Master films. <laughs> um, it's quite an undertaking indeed. <laughs> it um, is. The thing, the thing that's the biggest undertaking of this is the money that I have to part with <laughs> to buy these on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but Who knows, you least... might, you might, they might get some at Fright Fest to next week. Yeah, I mean, at least at this point, there's only like two more that I can actually buy and then I'm going right. to have to just watch them on demand. Right, <laughs> fair enough. Um, <sighs> and then, yeah, uh, closing his email, he was talking about, he saw The Nightingale, which we talked about in the last few weeks. Um, Hell yeah. yeah. It was a really nice review of it. Uh, he, he's, he says that this is a horror movie a lot of people have kind of been uh, describing it as a drama and all that stuff like you mm. see a lot but he, he definitely classes it as a horror film um, and he goes on to say that this is an achievement by Jennifer Kent who proves with her second film that she is an absolute force to be reckoned with and one hell of a filmmaker uh, this is a 9.5 out of 10 for me go and see this um, absolutely man I, I really want to see this movie and it's such a shame that it just seems like his, they've just um, forgotten to release it elsewhere yeah, yeah his, his review got me pumped for this movie I, I yeah. wasn't that pumped for it and after kind of reading that um i am super hyped for it and one that now is like a must for our list before we yeah. get to year end oh yeah um, hopefully i really hope it gets some sort of release this year because like yeah. the, the releases are just i'm glad that we're gonna knock a bunch out of right first next week because there is a lot of stuff that's like in the ether that might be coming out mm-hmm. that sounds great and it's like when are they actually going to come out i hope it doesn't get to a point in like mid-october where suddenly there's 10 movies that we want to see at the same time um yeah easily could have because we've been quite lucky with the show in terms of the scheduling like it just seems like here's one that we want to see this week um mm. yeah i think we're going to get screwed eventually where it's like here's four big movies which one do we pick to cover so yeah that'll be fun if and when it happens um yeah yeah and he's not the uh, conjuring look- universe movie <laughs> no uh, he says i look forward to your coverage of fright fest i hope you guys have a great time at the festival um oh yes we cannot wait so that moves us nicely into our I little see. preview um Obviously, we'll be talking about these movies a lot. I don't. We'll do we'll be doing a lot of shows covering this, like we did if people were around last year. Um, mm-hmm. I think we did like three different shows covering all the movies. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess we're just gonna have to see what you know. Once we actually know what we've seen and what our interest levels are, we can determine how long the episodes are going to be. Yeah, for sure. But we'll be um, talking about every film that we watch. Yeah, so if all goes to plan, we're going to be seeing ten movies this year. Um, and obviously, as we as as we discussed last week. <coughs> Or, mm-hmm. or are, you know, getting worried about the tickets going on sale? That mm-hmm. was a fun time, wasn't it, this past week? Um, yeah. Anyone, anyone that is in the UK and going to Fright Fest, 
uh, you know, we we feel your pain as well for getting those tickets for the discover, discovery screens because it was awful. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but light at the end of the tunnel for us. We yeah, got we were the, lucky. <laughs> we we got all of the films we wanted to see, um, literally on the buzzer. Two yeah. of the films sold out as we got the tickets. Um, it yeah. was incredibly lucky, and to be honest. Um, if we hadn't have got, especially the, the two of the films, my mm. hype levels would have been significantly lower for Fright Fest because the the Discovery screen films that we're off to see is some of the films I'm most excited about seeing. Yeah, we took a risk this year because the days that we picked to go, it was based pretty much upon the Discovery releases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this year in general, looking at the popularity, especially like a lot of people seem to be going to the Discovery screens this year. Yeah, um, which I think it shows that like some of the some of the scheduling is interesting to say the least. Because I think a lot of the most hyped movies are on the Discovery screens. Yeah, and I think there's going to be a lot of main screen movies that are going to be fairly empty for a lot of these <laughs> screenings. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to be seeing half of our movies on the Discovery screen, which is which is a lot more than last year as well um but uh yeah we were lucky uh it seems like a lot of people weren't i think that some of the movies that we've picked aren't the ones that are very hyped so i think in that sense was why we got lucky um you know looking online some of the ones like girl on the third floor and porno they seem to be the ones that like people are really gravitating towards yeah um i think Horn we being the biggest one that we really we wanted. weren't available for girl on the third floor were we that's is that not a oh no it's the no, it was the second slot on the Friday, but we wanted to see Red Letter ah, Day, um, yeah. which was also a Discovery screening, but isn't getting yeah. like hype or anything. But I just thought sounded incredible. Sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so pretty much kind of on the Thursday, kicking it off is fairly easy. We're gonna just gonna be seeing free movies on the main screen, as we've talked about before. Um, Come to Daddy being the opening movie, um, and then we're gonna be finally seeing the two movies that have been out for a while in other territories, <laughs> um, in Cruel and Scary uh, Stories to Tell in the Dark, um, which is gonna be very exciting that, uh, that we'll actually finally get to see these movies. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's going to be cool. And then it's going a into weird Friday, day, that one isn't it though? Because yeah, like I'm pumped for those, but obviously they're they're not like a traditional fright fest get hyped movie. I'm just glad that I'm going to be seeing these two movies. Yeah, I think Come to Daddy is the nice kind of wild card mm. because I yeah. mean, neither of us have any expectations for it. And um, I I really like Elijah Wood, especially in the horror genre as well. Um, yeah. Love him in Maniac and Sin City. So I think that he he's always got the chops for me to really enjoy Definitely. him in a genre movie. Um, and yeah, I don't know much about it either. So I think that's always good, not knowing too mm. much. Um, and then, yeah, going into our sort of main day, being Friday, of course, kicking it off with Haunt, which I think we're both very excited for. Um, yep. Yeah, I think the reasons why we'll probably get into next week because obviously we're going to be discussing these a lot in the coming weeks. But um, yeah, like uh, uh, the, the writers of this were the writers of A Quiet Place and this is their mm-hmm. movie that they directed. Um, so that's kind of why we're hyped for this one. Um, and then going into Red Letter Day on the second position of the day. Um, again, yeah. we don't really know too much about this one, but it looks very cool. Um, just sounded cool, didn't uh, it? Yeah, yeah. I think that's like the best thing with Fright Fest, especially this year. You know, in previous years, or especially in two of the would now be four. You know, the reason why we went, we had very specific movies. Um, yeah, we yep. went, we went for Thirty One, and we went for Chucky, <laughs> and yeah. uh, that's not the case now. It's we're going because we love Fright Fest, and we know there's going to be some great movies there. Um, Definitely. But uh, yeah, then we're on the main screen for the first time on Friday for Knives and Skin, um, which is on a lot of people's. Um, 
I've been, been reading a few of those, you know, like top movies to see right. at Fright Fest. And yeah. um, this is on a lot of them. And right, okay. I, I always wonder about those lists. Cause I'm like, how many people have actually seen all these movies? Um, <laughs> yeah. Or are they just making, you know, based upon the synopsises? But we'll, we'll see anyway. But it, yeah. it seems like it's got a lot of hype around it. Okay. Um, and then uh, fourth uh, showing of the day, we are going off the main screen again for one that uh, not too many people are talking about, actually, Sadistic Intentions. Mm. Um, that was one that we just, sound, again, liked the sound of, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think it's just um, uh, the director was putting on Twitter the, yesterday about kind of coming and coming over and really excited to see. It. And it just mm. reminded me of like a life changer almost, yeah. where it's just kind of, you know, this this real passion project, the people making it seem super pumped to be there at Fright Fest. And, and I wanted to go and support it yeah it's really cool like obviously we'll we'll do that when our in our main review but it seems mm. like a lot of the directors are coming over this year which is really nice um yeah like i know for a fact on the thursday all three movies we're seeing the directors are in attendance mm. um as well as horn and you've just said as sadistic intentions as well mm-hmm. um so it's really cool um yeah and then next up is freaks um which was shown at previous fright fest i think mm. fright fest in glasgow um people loved it and that was enough to get us on board wasn't it yeah yeah definitely so that one sounds really cool. And then finishing on the Friday, we're, we're actually back on the main screen for only the second time on the Friday. Um, <laughs> see Bullets of Justice. Hell um, yeah, we are. Looks and sounds mental <laughs> in the best I'm possible so, way. I'm so pumped for this movie. Like, the only problem is... <laughs> I think we're going to have to bring some alcohol in or something. I need to, like, get smashed watching this movie. Yeah, that's probably best. Um, yeah, it looks wild. Obviously, we're going to be really going in it. Because I'm, I'm assuming if you're just a, a, a listener, I guess, who's not going to Fright Fest, um, which I assume a majority of our listeners are, then you probably haven't heard of most of these films. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we will obviously be talking about them more in depth next week. Um, and then, yeah, on, on the Saturday, before we unfortunately have to head home, uh, we're seeing an extra movie. Um, which is a serial killer's guide to life, um, which was oh, definitely uh, yeah. I'm really glad we we managed to see this one. That was one of the ones that stood out for me the first time. I kind of looked at all of the the titles mm. and the synopsises showing at the the whole festival leading up to Monday. This was one that stood out to me. It sounded really good. Um, yeah. It was from new directors. It's a world premiere, so no one's really seen it before. And um, Arrow have picked this one up as well for release. Yeah, which future. is super cool. So uh, yeah, cannot wait for this one. I mean, just briefly. When we I guess, when we what... looked on the the you know we were tempted for the Saturday because of that and feedback, yeah. and then we were lucky enough yeah. to see feedback. So that's what kind of steered us towards the Thursday Friday instead. Yeah, definitely. We like to get open at night. You just get the hype. Yeah, we love it. Night. Yeah, yeah, it's um, fun, and it's it's a shame because Monday this year is stacked as well. Mm. So, um, obviously, if you are going to this festival, let us know which movies you're seeing. Obviously, for the whole yeah. weekend, but also yeah. for Friday because yeah, we're only seeing two on the main screen out of the six. So yeah, people yeah. are going to be seeing plenty of different choices to us. I think that was another thing as well is that at least we'll be able to give a different uh, perspective. Even if you are going to Fright Fest, um, we will be seeing a lot of different movies that people. Yeah, definitely. I, I can't imagine many people have got the same list as us for Friday. So I know. I was going to say, I'd be really curious if anyone else was like, these are the ones I want to see. Um, <laughs> that's that's the fun of the festival. Um, yeah, but yeah, what, what, what really sort of, I guess, stands out to you in terms of, I guess, what is the, the thing you're most excited for? And then what has the potential to be one that really sort of shocks you and is really good? Obviously, think, it's difficult because we don't yeah. we try not to know too much about a lot of these. I think Horn is the one that I'm most excited for. Yeah. I think um, there are. I think like most of the other ones. I think Bullets of Justice is one that I'm super pumped for. Like mm. stupidly pumped for. Like I was Puppet Master last year, <laughs> where I just I want that sort of level of dumb 
violence and I, i'm pretty confident i'm gonna get it yeah because um, to see that on the big screen is a nice rarity isn't it yeah exactly um and like danny Trejo's is a fucking hero so yeah you know <laughs> um real life hero and yeah. um uh, I, like red letter day is a premise that sounds super exciting mm. um and to be honest with you sadistic intentions like i don't know i just got a little bit of buzz about it like, yeah i just got a feeling um yeah. that yeah. life change of feeling i really do <laughs> like so yeah that i guess that's where i'm at but i'm pretty pumped about everything yeah no i think looking at this list like there isn't anything where i'm like oh i think that you know, I think scary stories to tell in the dark is in an interesting place um, because it's, yeah, it's going to be the most longest movie and it's viewing. really late. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially because it leads into horn very early in the next morning. And, mm. and I agree with you. I would say like, if I had to pick one, I think that's the movie I want to watch the most. Yeah. Um, alongside Serial Killer's Guide to Life. Um, yeah, those are the yeah. two that I'm really pumped to see. Yeah. I keep forgetting um, about that one, man. Cause we're sneaking yeah. that in on the Saturday yeah it's gonna be really cool but yeah obviously we cannot wait like it's mere days away now at this point um <laughs> hopefully hopefully we'll see some of you guys there but if not we're gonna be covering it a lot like we always do and it's it's definitely. the best time of year isn't it it's the horror christmas for us hell yeah and yeah if you are going yeah definitely drop us a message on kind of twitter or an email or something and uh mm. we'll be in the pub between yeah. screenings yeah in the small little gaps that we do manage to find then then we'll be around <laughs> yeah um and there's not a lot yeah. we're gonna no. have to eat at some point during the during those two days yeah it's gonna be difficult um <laughs> that is the fun though of, of fright fest is like because especially yeah. with a lot of people they they i guess they're not they don't see every film like i think that'd be a good thing especially if you're going for the weekend like i wouldn't oh, i wouldn't God, see yeah. every single yeah. film um, what, because what you we're have to attempting to do is not that healthy <laughs> yeah <laughs> But you know, it's, 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 time, it's time management, isn't it, for us? Like, we're yeah. going there for Fright Fest. We yeah. want to try and see we're as many go, movies. We're going there to watch movies, and we're <laughs> going to go watch a lot of movies. There are yeah, people that we... might go all weekend and not see 10 movies. <laughs> yeah. Like, we can eat and sleep another time. Like, it yeah. just doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but, yeah, cannot wait. Obviously, it's just around the corner. Um, obviously, we were gonna, I was going to discuss some things I've, I've seen recently, but we are going a bit long. So, should we save that for a few weeks? Let's save it. Let's have a rollover. I'll, I'll watch yeah. the Puppet Master between now and then as well that's fair enough um yeah i'll I'll tease it by saying that the tv show is on netflix and it's one that season two has just arrived um after a very long wait um so the people that know will know but it's a a very interesting show that i've just started watching um and yeah the horror trilogy is very interesting as well like it's it's one that i think a lot of people would be like how have you not seen this before um but i haven't until now but yeah i've seen it now so yeah nice little tease there but we'll probably get to that after fright fest so sorry for teasing you guys like two three weeks in advance (laughs) um a month later yeah a month later i watched these three movies maybe i can remember (laughs) what happened in them um (laughs) But yeah, that was episode 156, where we talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and got very, very hyped for Fright Fest. Uh, Thanks for listening, as always. And we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone.